0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports.
1: Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. For access to the stories at all the heart of the game, use slash Spot Track for 40% off your first year subscription. Today, we are also provided by Balanced Bridge Funding. Cost-friendly, capital solutions to professional athletes since 2015. Balanced Bridge has dedicated professionals who understand the industry and are ready to customize a repayment plan catered to your client's situation and financial objectives. Borrow wisely and cost-effectively. Avoid broker fees with no prepayment penalties. And there's no penalties if you pay it back early. Whether your client is under contract and looking for a bridge against guarantees, a free agent looking for a new contract or any other reason to borrow. Let Balance Bridge get a look, provide a solution and be a resource for you and your clients today. Visit balancebridge.com. We are also provided by Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment, dedicated to serving the unique wealth management needs of athletes and top professionals in the sports and entertainment industry. Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment strives to bring sports professionals the financial solutions they need, including access to financing, supporting prospective NFL and NBA athletes through their draft process. Find out more about Morgan Stanley's pre and post-draft loan program at MorganStanley.com slash GSE. That's MorganStanley.com slash G-S-E. Happy Friday. My name is Mike Giannetti. Here's the deal for today. Scott Allen joins first. We've got a quick NFL spending discussion. He broke down some great numbers by team over the past five years. Some of the teams at the top of that list probably won't surprise you. I guarantee you the team at the bottom of that list is going to. Stick around for that with Scott. Then the Immediately after, back end of the show, a 15 minute talk with Keith Smith, our NBA expert, on the Nerlens Noel lawsuit against Clutch and agent Rich Paul. Nerlens Noel is claiming that there's about $58 million left on the table from decisions made by his agency at the time. And he went on to much smaller deals with the Knicks, signed an okay extension with them this offseason, but he is not happy with how the last five years of his contracts have gone. And he's now officially suing Rich Paul and Clutch for this money. Keith's got all the details on this, what it might mean for further contracts going forward, you know, the player angle, the agent angle, all the breakdowns from the inside out with that situation. But first, I posted a piece this morning on spottrack.com that's sort of it's fun, it's casual, but it it matters. <laughs> it definitely matters. Um, it's the all 2021 dead cap roster. And I realize that may be foreign language to some of you. What does that mean? It means, for instance, Teddy Bridgewater goes to the Denver Broncos okay, from the Carolina Panthers. He was paid a sizable signing bonus. There was, there's money that has, there's, there's cap that has to stay with the Carolina Panthers in that move and with most moves. If a rookie is traded, if a rookie is released, any signing bonus that hasn't yet hit the cap stays with the team. Okay, If a player is released who has guaranteed money, whatever salary is guaranteed and hasn't yet been paid will get paid to the player, and that amount hits the, the current team as dead cap. So dead cap is all over the place. Every team has dead cap. Most players have dead cap unless you're a minimum player with no bonus and no guaranteed salary. You, you're accounting for something in terms of cap what to stay or to leave. So we had plenty of movement this off season. Here's what I've done. I've given you a full roster, like a 24 man roster based on an offensive lineup, a defensive lineup, and then a special teamers, which players carry the highest dead cap allocated to their former team in 2021 should be no surprise who the starting quarterback for this roster is. It's Carson Wentz. His dead cap hit that stays with Philadelphia this year is th- a record 33.8 million. His current cap hit with the Indianapolis Colts is 21.3 million. So you can understand how this game works. The starting running back on this roster is Todd Gurley. Remember him? With the Rams, 8.4 million allocated to the Rams cap this year. And he is currently a free agent. I've got three wide receivers for you. I've got a tight end. I've got a full offensive line. I've got a full defensive line. I've got a full secondary and a kicker and a punter. You're going to remember all these players. Some are here because they were tired. Some are here because they were traded. Many are here because they were outright released, but they all have current cap hits with their former teams and they're pretty sizable in many cases. So I tweeted this out this morning. It's on spotright.com as we speak. I had some fun with this. If I missed anybody, if you are confused as to the dead cap side of this, if you think that, uh, There's more to be discussed here. Hit me up at Trek on Twitter. Happy to answer questions and post these things as they come about. Let's talk some NFL spending with Scott Allen. All right, Scott, welcome back to the show. We, uh, we had some fun this week, just kind of running some random numbers. uh, most of it kind of driven by your creative thinking. And we got down a rabbit hole with cash spending over a multi-year period. And specifically with the NFL, we did a five-year stretch. 2016 to 2020, all cash handed out. So for whatever reason, whether it's, you know, an active roster player, whether it's a signing bonus to a rookie, whether it's a dead cash payment to somebody who's no longer with the with the team, any cash handed out over, over the last five years, you've got the list of all 32 teams, and you've got a surprise for us. <laughs> um, I'll bury the lead on the leader. It's the Philadelphia Eagles, which man, that's tough. That's that's really tough when you think about. Yes, they've got that Super Bowl in there, and yes, they had to pay the quarterback, and they actually gave their backup quarterback a pretty good deal on that during that time span as well. But that one sort of surprised me. I, I had other teams in mind for who could be at the top of that list, but I guess you know it is what it is. They're over a billion dollars spent over the past five seasons, but that's not the story here, Scott. Tell me the story with this ranking.
0: Oh my gosh! Uh, when I ran this. I, I did not expect to see who is at the bottom. And then what I did also was, is I ran this with how many wins that they've had. And so the time frame that we ran this was the last five years, 2016 to 2020. So this doesn't include this uh, upcoming season with cash spent. And so I compared uh, cash spent with games won. I wanted to see who is the most efficient, uh, you know, from a cash and winning standpoint. And when I ran the overall numbers. New England Patriots came in dead last in money, cash spent. And
1: it's not even close. In the last five
0: years. It's not even no, close. No, it's not.
1: I mean... The, no, it's not. They're $8 million lower than their division rival Buffalo Bills. And by the way, just this is before Josh Allen. This is this has nothing to do with this offseason whatsoever. It's completely through last season. So this is pre-Josh Allen contract for the Bills, who are second last. But the Patriots are $8 million less than them. $864 million spent over the past five seasons that's what 125 less than, than the 104 35 less than the Philadelphia Eagles who are number one. So we, we sit here and we talk at nausea about Tom Brady and him taking his pay cuts. But Tom Brady's the only guy in on that team getting paid at all, Scott. I mean, it's ridiculous. Right. I mean, he was taking what he was taking. Nobody else. Stefan Gilmore got a great free agent contract that, that was paid out over the past four years, essentially. And there's questionable about the fifth year, but, who else can you think of anybody else who had a great contract with that team now that we're doing the numbers here?
0: Mm. Uh, I can't I guess Gronk, Gronk, maybe?
1: Yeah, nine million a year. Yeah, sure. Steph-
0: Gilmore.
1: Gilmore and Gronk uh, are are up there, and a couple of those safeties got good contracts, but nobody had a great contract. The left tackle walked, the right tackle walked, the center got a decent contract, you know. Hightower, the the, the off ball linebacker, got a decent contract. None of these guys got top of the market contracts. None of them, including Brady, James White got five million a year. Edelman got five million a year. Th- just start to think about it in your head. It, it's Bonkersville. It's bu- in fact, I'd be remiss to say I bet Aaron Hernandez's contract was one of the top five in Patriots over the past ten years. They paid their tight ends.
0: Yeah, they did. That's which it. is why they which is why they went out and spent the money they did this on year. tight ends That's right. this free
1: agency. But they're dead last and it's not even close. And when you pack it with wins, I mean, they're top five in wins easily. Are they second in wins? They're number two in wins. To the, behind the Chiefs, which have had their High recent Chiefs. run. So second in wins, dead last in spending, easily the most efficient team on this on this board, right?
0: Yeah, yeah one of the two. Yeah, Kansas City, oh, even, yeah. Though, yep. even though they spent just under $900 million, they are still the most efficient from a cash and winning standpoint. Um, when you take the cash divided by the number of wins the chiefs have had, uh, they they were number one with just under fifteen million dollars per win, whereas the Patriots were just over fifteen million
1: dollars per win. Would you take fifty seven wins and their Super Bowls at eight hundred sixty four million, or the one Super Bowl and sixty wins for the chiefs at eight hundred ninety nine million? <laughs> I mean, think about that.
0: You're right. And and when I when <laughs> I ran these numbers and I sent it to you, I said, You know, the Patriots have been in in the last five years of this numbers were running. They were in the Super Bowl three times and they won twice. And then the Chiefs were in the Super Bowl twice and won once. So, you know, from an efficiency standpoint, the Chiefs and the Patriots were ridiculous. The fact that they spent what they did as efficient that they were and got to the promised land, multiple times for the Patriots. And, you know, I, I I said it's it's almost Tampa Bay Rays-ish where they're mm-hmm. nickeling and diming their money as much as they are and they're actually winning. Now, I get the, the Rays have not won the, the World Series, but the fact that we're in a, you know, Moneyball-esque era right now where teams are sure. trying to find every – possible scenario, what best value of a player. And, you know, I've heard so much about Tom Brady in the last, between us and then what I've been listening to with what's going on in in Tampa Bay land, what Tom Brady has sacrificed. And the one thing that never comes up is sacrificing the contracts that he has. Let's talk about
1: this though, Scott, because, and you're right, be, be, but it's not even Brady right this this is clearly way more than right. Brady this is everybody else
0: right that's where i was going it, yeah. it, it's i originally thought it was just going to be a brady thing but when you actually see the numbers and they've they're dead last in cash spent in the 5 years span you, you really have to rethink what they've done as an organization over the last 5 years or so
1: so let's let's go to the bottom bottom few here I'm going to give you a couple of teams that are in the bottom spending over the past five years. New England's obviously the standout. Pittsburgh is fourth from the bottom. Baltimore is sixth from the bottom. Seattle is seventh from the bottom. Those are not bad teams, Scott. Those are great perennial playoff teams right there. And Indy, by the way, is right there. Third from the bottom. They went through their Andrew Luck situation. They went through their Peyton Manning situation. Um, you know, I think many people think if Carson's healthy, that they're a playoff team again this year. Here's the top of the list. Philly, Chicago, Minnesota, Atlanta, San Francisco. That's your top five. And, and the numbers are huge. Uh, about, a, about 150 million in difference. Am I correct in that? About 150 million in difference? Yes. From top to bottom here. Is it wrong for me to assess this as keeping players and forcing yourself to pay top dollar for for the players you have, which is what many of those, I mean, outside of Kirk Cousins, right? Philadelphia extended their own. Chicago extended defensively a lot of players. Minnesota brought Kirk Cousins in via free agency on a max contract, then extended him to a max contract. Atlanta extended Matt Ryan to a max contract. Jimmy Garoppolo was a, a, a max contract when he joined San Francisco, and now they've maxed out on on the defense a couple of, in a couple of places. I, we talk about it all the time. At the end of the year, one of our favorite things to do, Scott, is to run through the rankings of the average paid, the top average paid players at every position, and we talk about how many of them did or didn't make the playoffs, and then we talk about Super Bowl. We've talked about the quarterback position, about the highest average guy. He's never done it, never even come close, to be honest, in any given year. Isn't this exhibit A that turning over your roster to force yourself to not max out in terms of contracts can be just as productive. And I think maybe is more productive from, from an NFL franchise standpoint.
0: Yeah, absolutely. These teams that are at the top that you're talking about, they're middle of the pack and wins. So they're paying so much money and their wins are not necessarily showing for it, whereas at the bottom, the teams are in the top 15 right. of of wins. I mean, you have, like I said, New England is number two in wins. Buffalo was 12 in wins. Indy was 14. Pittsburgh's fourth. Baltimore and Seattle were tied in at fifth. And then you have your anomaly, the Jets, in there that were dead last in wins. But it, it, it's a complete flip-flop of, the teams that have really nickel and dimed over the last five years or really made sure that they spent their money. Well, it's showing on the field as opposed to the teams that have had to spend over and over and over again, that they're the only team in the top 10 for wins is Minnesota, you know, Philadelphia. Yes, they're, they're 13th for wins, but still that they, they have spent so much in cash and, you know, They've they've had so much dead cap. I know cap and cash are completely different, but okay. from that standpoint, they've had to spend extras because they've had to move off of some of the players on the roster.
1: the The team that stands out for me, Scott, is Green Bay. What's your take on seeing Green Bay sixth on this list? Nine hundred fifty million spent over the last five years, and and forty nine games won. Do you, do you look at them as if that's a successful formula for them?
0: Yes. Yes, I do. I think it's a successful formula and and they're the eighth efficient team from a right. cash per win standpoint. So the fact that they've been able to spend and I guess the players that they've had to target, whether they've been, because it's not a free agent destination place. They've That's really right. had to spend within themselves. That's so right. they've had to really scout and draft well, and then they've had to pay their drafted players to keep them there. Whereas the other teams at the top, they've they've pretty much have either spent in free agency or had to make a trade and and then spend like with Chicago and having to spend for Cleo uh, Mack. Minnesota had to pay for Kirk Cousins and Thielen and you know everyone else that they've had to do. Atlanta's had to spend. You know some of them got are guys that they've had to pay their own guys that have been drafted, That's but they've also point, spent Scott. the agency.
1: If we talk Philly and Minnesota, because you're right, you just nailed something there. It, to me, those two are te- Those are two teams that fell in love with their players too much. Philadelphia had a really good reason. You win the Super Bowl; it's really tough to rip it up after that. Tampa Bay just showed us it's they didn't they didn't rip a damn thing up, right? Um, and Green Bay's done a lot of winning, which which in turn generally means we're going to keep this band together. I think the reason Green Bay's not third on this list because Aaron Rodgers has maxed out. We've talked about that at, at nausea, right? but they just turned this defense over two a year and a half ago, two off seasons ago. I mean, almost completely turned it over via draft picks, via free agency. They spent quite a lot of capital on that side of the ball and they overpaid a little bit for it. But in turn, I think that route for them was, was less expensive than trying to keep some of these players, you know, Clay Matthews longer, things like that down the road, because there's a, there's a franchise tie to it. There's an expectation that those players have, it's hard to to let good players who have been important to your franchise go, but I think the Patriots have shown us that in doing that, and and to, to some degree, Baltimore as well. Baltimore let C.J. Mosley walk. Baltimore has let a, a bunch of these decent players walk out the door, maybe a year earlier than we all expected them to. And Baltimore, New England being near the bottom of this list, that that to me says turning the turning things over, having a more turnstile approach than. We got to keep these guys here. You know, the fans love it. We love it. We'd love to be able to have the consistency. It costs a hell of a lot more and you lose. I think you lose wins because of it. I think that's what this is saying out loud. You lose wins.
0: Yeah. New New England is the best at getting rid of a player a year or two ahead of time, especially a year ahead of time. Look at what they did with Sony Michelle. And now people are second guessing. Oh, did they did they do another situation where they got out before they needed to pay him or oh, you know he only had one year left and, and that kind of stuff. But I, I completely agree. These are teams that they they either have spent well and haven't gone out gangbusters and had to pay mm-hmm. uh, players in free agency or overpay their own draft picks. They they've done what they needed to to win on the field. And, you know, it it shows by these numbers.
1: Something we'll continue to monitor this list through 2021, because this year specifically, and I don't think it's going to be something that slows down. I think it's going to become a thing, a trend. We have, you know, three or four quarterbacks, maybe even five off the top of my head that were under contract and changed teams via trade this offseason. And we talked about that a lot, Scott. That's a really good way financially to acquire a quarterback. It's not as great as drafting. You know, it's not a it's not a four-year rookie contract. But, you know, Carson Wentz at 20 million a year to the Indianapolis Colts, where he was on a contract that was 33 million a year with Philly and 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 somewhat backloaded. You know, when you get another team to pay a signing bonus, for instance, or and in, in his case, an option bonus as well, same with Goff, same with Stafford, same with Bridgewater. Carolina's paying a hell of a lot more than Denver is for Bridgewater right now. I'll tell you that. There's something to that, you know. Odell Beckham Jr. leaves the New York Giants after a year and a half. When the Giants paid a huge signing bonus, Cleveland says we'll take his base salaries off your off your chest. Let's do this. And I think that this year there could be some real, real value with having done that. Stefan Diggs, same situation in Minnesota, right? Minnesota pays him up front. They sh- he he he's, has a tumultuous situation turn into a trade out. Buffalo gets to take on some me- mediocre base salaries, and now he's a superstar with them. There's something to this, Scott. There really is, and it's going against free agency. It's going against maxing out your current players it's Is there a better fit? Is there a way to change the pace, change the scenery a little bit, and also save three to four million dollars, which in turn adds up over a five six year span. I want to keep on this because I think the the increase of trades of major players in the past eighteen months could really impact this list, Scott,
0: yeah. trades and these quarterback rookie extensions, because obviously with uh, Allen and, you know, Lamar and Baker, that's going to hit next year. So it'll be interesting to see if we run this every five years just to see or every year back five years just to see how the team's switch from year to year if there's going to be a you know buffalo is going to have to eventually pay kansas city is going to eventually have to pay so when those start kicking in and are they able to still sustain the wins based off of the cash that they're going to have to spend it's going to be really interesting
1: it's good stuff by you it's a good report and i've got this done with major league baseball and the nba as well probably worth a discussion at some point here to kind of break down how that all looks as well because you know, last year's NBA was a bit of an anomaly. Milwaukee's up there and spending. Phoenix certainly is not. And what we know about the NBA, Scott, is generally you got to pay to play. <laughs> right? And I don't think there's a lot of people, even though we both said it out loud on the last podcast, I don't think there's a lot of people that think that Phoenix is really a contender and that they really have a, sh- a chance to be back there. We're going to find out because that's a team that has done almost no spending over a five-year span. And, and that includes Chris Paul. And, and oh, by the way, Chris Paul just gave them a little bit of a discount. So right. there's a little bit of that Patriots situation happening right now where they've continued to turn players over until they found the fit. They think they have the fit now. They're going to extend Aiden They did extend campaign. They did extend you know Chris Paul. But none of those are, are max deals. Uh, Aiton maybe at some point. But I, I think that's something to monitor very closely because if that's... If that is a two to three year winning situation for Phoenix, that goes like very much against the NBA protocols, right?
0: Yeah, it does. When you look at the numbers, if you, if you spend, you're most likely going to be in the top 10, top 15 of wins. And if you don't spend, then you're most likely at the bottom of the wins ranks. And so uh, if you're a team, you know, w- we've seen it. Houston, and, uh, the New York Knicks, those are teams that have not won, but they haven't spent as well.
1: Good stuff, man. Looking forward to more of this for sure. It's a fun little exercise that we can run, you know, during the off season when there's tons of money being doled out. And it's kind of nice to see where the current money ranks in terms of four or five years like this. And then being able to maybe cross pollinate these conversations with multiple sports as well will be really fun. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Is that Keith Smith NBA on Twitter? A great follow doing a heck of a lot of work for us and for himself these days in the NBA as the NBA off-season rolls along. And then this kind of unique story drops in, Keith, right? New Orleans Lowell is suing Clutch Sports and Rich Paul. Um, just on the surface, what are your initial thoughts on this? And then we'll try to unpack some of these numbers.
2: Yeah, I, I guess this is maybe a unique situation i can't remember anything like this in the nba before multiple times players have changed agents because they haven't been happy with the way things have gone but then to actually turn around and file an actual lawsuit that that seems like a brand new one to me so i'm i'm very very curious to see how this plays out because this could potentially open the door for all sorts of things if noel gets a favorable ruling here
1: yeah I think that's a lot of people's concern, but I, but the more I've unpacked this myself, Keith, to me, it's less about the money he didn't get because the initial claim is you told me not to sign this contract. There was a $70 million offer from Dallas that basically the current agent in hand said, yeah, there's probably bigger money for you next year. Let's wait on this. Let's sign the qualifying offer. Something that you've kind of said could come back into form by the way, to give the players a little bit more control with their future. Uh, this is an example of where it didn't work out. So that money wasn't there for Nerlens Noel. the Well. I think it's less about that decision specifically because I think a lot of agents make that decision. You know, let's wait. If you have a great year, bet on yourself, you can double this money in, in 12 mm-hmm. months. So I don't think he's got any any kind of gripe there. But what's what the litigation is sort of leaning towards is, okay, we get to the next summer. I, I play on the $5 million qualifying offer or whatever it was and then you stop answering phone calls. So Houston's yeah. calling, Philly's calling. Many teams are saying, "Hey, we want to sign this guy. We've got multi-year offers ready for this guy." And you're not even picking up the phone. That's where it gets really ugly, and that's where you know, maybe this isn't going to get anywhere, but it's it it hit the public. You know, it's a story now, and that's something I think you were alluding to that just doesn't happen. <laughs> these things happen probably behind the scenes, and there's some payoffs to sort of make these things go away. New though well wanted this to get public and he's also not paying his commission from last year's salary because of it. So this mm-hmm. is an intertwined situation.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So we've got a lot of things kind of going on here where it is. And, and I think, if he has definitive proof that he was no longer getting response, I mean, and I, I, I'm far from a lawyer, much to my uh, parents' dismay, <laughs> but I, um, <laughs> I would need to really look at what his his player uh, representation agreement was, because if there is something in there that that specifies response time and those kind of things. He may have a case if he can prove that, because that seems to be in some ways that could maybe be a breach of contract contract there. So I'm very curious to see how this all plays out. I, I, hardly see any way he gets 58 million out of clutch sports. (laughs) Um, you know, well, I, and I don't even know that that's necessarily what he's filing for. I think it's actually less, um, but he's saying that's what they cost him. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen, but it it is going to be interesting to see what happens because then, yeah, where, where does this go going forward? Because as we said, this has happened before in the NBA. I, there, there's articles out there, even this off season of players who missed out on money and changed representation. There, there is a, a, he didn't change representation, but does Dennis Schroeder look back at his agent and say, Hey, you know, I missed out on 84 million. And what, what was the thought there? And, and then the agency has to come back and say, Hey, in the end, if you want to sign the contract, that's up to you. You, We're just your advisors here. We're, we're telling you, no. So it's going to be very interesting, I think, in a lot of ways to see how this plays out. And, and it's probably going to be one where we won't have a result for at least two, three years, just the way these things are going to go, because there's going to be a lot of discovery and all that stuff. But I am very, very curious to to watch this one play out over the next couple of years before a decision is made. Or my guess is what ultimately happens is there'll be some kind of uh, agreement made that will make this all go away and then we'll never really see it play out in court.
1: Yeah, there's some, there's some pretty specific examples with Rich Paul and Clutch and, and this kind of happening, which is and let me put it this way. You know, his most famous client is LeBron James. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a big circle of players that are connected to LeBron that have come into clutch because of LeBron and, and vice versa. In other words, there's big money inside of this agency. Big money, big contracts. Absolutely. Get ma- Mostly Max, Ben Simmons, right? I mean, they deal with the big fish in this league right now. So if you're not one of those players, and look, we've got KCP, Marcus Morris, we've got certainly Noel, who you know has taken a ton of strides forward on, on the court, but wasn't any sort of max, near-max guy at any point in his career. Doesn't it seem like those guys are just ancillary to this agency? And Rich Paul is constantly thinking, hey, we got to get upwards of $100 million, upwards of $90 million, or these deals aren't worth it to us. I think that's probably what's happening here. The, the the money in this league is so stupid, as you and I both know, that taking $40 million in any regard is probably not worth it to agents right now, as crazy as that sounds, because there's 140 around the corner for these guys.
2: Yeah, especially if you're convinced that there is, and, and I think that's the tough part. Right. Uh, And I think of uh, Marcus Morris, if I remember correctly, he he ended up firing uh, Rich Paul after declining an offer. Um, Then he didn't get what he thought he was going to get. And oddly enough, he ended up with the Clippers anyway. Um, But in that one. But, yeah, it's this is I, I think from the Rich Paul camp, there is a sense of pushing more towards high-end players or players who can advance uh, the high-end players, um, uh, pushes for forward. I I think that is the, the, the interest there. Now on the flip side, uh, they were, if we go back quite a ways, they were the ones who quite smartly told Tristan Thompson, Hey, don't take that deal. They're going to, the Cavs will cave to you and give you more money. And ultimately in the end, the Cavs did. And they got more money out of it. So I, it, it's one of those things where sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And that that's where I guess if you're the player, this is where you hope they have in their, their representation, their agent as someone who understands the salary cap and the landscape of the league and those kind of things to say – Hey, so you're gonna turn down 70 million dollars? Where else are we getting that from? Here's the four or five teams that have cap space. Here's what their their center position looks like already. Here's where we're going with with this. This is gonna be tough. Or in the case of Dennis Schroeder's, obviously not represented by, by uh, Clutch Sports here, but you turn down 84 million, where's that coming back next off season? Who, who's going to be the one who comes to that? And that that's where you always hope that they have someone who can really give them, you got to think beyond just you, because there's 30 teams that you got to look at, you got to look at what their environments are, what their rosters look like, where they may be going. And that gives you a better sense, because I, I can't tell you how many times I've talked to players or agents who, and they both kind of come at it from both sides. It's I try to tell my guy to take the money and he didn't want to. And now we're stuck because the team doesn't, the team doesn't want to resign him. They don't have availability or whatever it is. And that's where it becomes really kind of difficult uh, to figure out, you know, who's at fault, I guess here, which is ultimately if this lawsuit plays out, that's going to be what's going to have to be decided.
1: Yeah. The more you talk here, the more I'm worried about this from the player standpoint, because first of all, I didn't even... (laughs) I know he was highly taught out of college and things like that, but he, he wasn't even recognizable Noel on the court to me until this past season with the Knicks. So we're talking about 2007, 2018 Nerlens Noel. I can't even imagine turning down $70 million that no. player at that point. Yeah. So this, this to me is on him. And I think the more this story bears out, the more it's going to be that, like if you are, if you are, if somebody is paying you for what you could be for what your ceiling is, take that money <laughs> because yep. a injury B who knows, but also, and you bring a great point into this and it's really, you know, in our camp agents don't have to just read the current team's landscape. They have to read the cap structure, the cap situation of every team over the next off season, over maybe the next two off seasons, because as you know, it is all about timing with this stuff. So if, If the Dallas Mavericks say they have the ability to sign this player right now, that's going to change in six months. It's just going to because there's trades happening constantly. There's money moving around. Are they going to use exceptions? Do they nudge up to the tax level to where now they can't afford an extra million and a half on a a salary here and there? So many things happen. It's such a fluid situation that, yeah, I I really think it's a combination of two things. The the waiting game on a player who shouldn't be waiting is never going to work in this league because of the how fluid it is and and the other part of it is I really do think Keith that that agents see way more money in smaller superstar camps than they would in taking these guy these projects on and trying to convince them that they can be superstars and and make superstar money at one point to me the league is going in that exact opposite direction maybe a little bit more towards baseball where. There's forty guys making unbelievable money. There's you know hundred and fifty guys making good money, you know 16 million ish in the NBA. And then if you're under that threshold, you're you're expendable. So mm-hmm. if somebody's offering you sixteen million plus, they're telling you hey you're you're worth you're worth your role in this league. I, I can't imagine players turning that stuff down anymore. There's too many examples of that lately.
2: yeah, I'm completely with you there because I think unless you're certain, MLE is sitting out there for me or yeah. something from a really good team where I want to be and that's where I want to go. Then, then great, move that direction. But yeah, if you're you're sitting there thinking, especially now too, and it, and it has changed since since this Noel situation played out. But as a big man, if you're not one of the top five or six or your team isn't absolutely enamored with you you're just not getting that kind of money it's just it's just not going to happen we we know this now it's just the the way it kind of goes so I think uh, I, now on the flip side good for Nerlens Noel he's turned himself into a pretty good player a valuable player for the New York Knicks he got a nice contract this offseason uh, for him and I actually think it's good value for the Knicks for what he is so I think it, it is we're, we're in a position now where that's great, but yeah, he missed out, you know, early on, and who knows what he would have, what what would have happened because that contract would have just about been finishing up, and those kind of things. He might have never found his way to New York and the Tibs, and and those things. And that this is not a, a Marvel what if episode where we can play that out, <laughs> <laughs> but it is, you know, it is one of those things where you know NBA what ifs are a lot of fun too. But I am very curious to see because I think where this gets. From, from the agent side, I think what we're starting to see with the the so-called super agents, which Rich Paul is one, is they are snapping up these smaller agencies or um, even just an agent himself and bringing the clients in with the agent. And then what, what it becomes is they're part of the Clutch Sports family, but Rich Paul maybe represents five or six players. And of course, he gets his piece of all the other deals, but then he's got seven, eight guys who work under him that'll represent the, the the lower end players, the mid caliber players. And, and probably with the idea of, okay, Hey, you need me to come in and get a guy a little bit more. All right. I'll come into the meeting then. Or <laughs> the you know, that's one. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's when I'll step in and, and do my part. But yeah, it, it is, you know, wildly interesting to think about all the different ways this could go and the impacts this could have. And I guarantee you, if nothing else, you've got both players and agents, especially some who are maybe upcoming free agents sitting down and looking and saying, all right, what exactly does our agreement specify we have to do uh, with each other? Because that that, that has to be done because you have to have that in the back of your mind.
1: Well, pretty good day to be talking about this, by the way, because I think there was a player situation signing a contract that maybe he wouldn't be getting in six months. Laurie Markkinen, right? Four years, yeah. $67 million, <laughs> a seven-footer joining a team with two other seven-footers already there. It's 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 above average money it's it's just the north of that 16 million mark i just referenced and yep. this is a player i think half the league hates and half the league th- you know things can it <laughs> can help them do you don't you agree with that
2: yeah no i do and, and i and i would think the half the league that hates him is probably off i mean he's he can still score and shoot and that's still it's funny i made this point on on a radio appearance this week where i said it's almost like we've kind of forgotten that scoring points is still part of the game yeah. at, at times you know now yeah i don't like a guy who's going to give me 25 points on 35 percent shooting because that's not good that's not going to go anywhere good but as long as your shooting percentages and your efficiency is good you're fine and i think that's what where it is with marketing not my issue is the destination. Hey, it doesn't make any sense yeah. for the Cavs with they they just resigned Jared Allen for 20 million a year, which feels maybe a little rich, and then just drafted Evan Mobley. Unless you really think, yo, hey, we, we can, you know, roll out three seven footers and one can really play play the the three. I, I get it. They're they're probably looking at it and saying, hey, now we have uh 48 to 60 minutes of quality good big man play between these three guys that we can play together uh you know in various rotations but someone's not going to play as much as they want to there and now that's going to ultimately probably be a thing that's going to have to be worked out but hey hey, it's odd too and then to give up a player that i know 15 20 teams around the league really like and larry nance jr that part doesn't make a lot of sense to me i love that deal for Cleveland, for portland rather yeah. and i really like it for the bulls for kind of jumping in get recouping a first round pick for a player they didn't want anymore that's that's good work if you can do it so you know good good work on them but yeah that's an odd contract to to say the least
1: last thing on this and i wonder your point because this is a very nfl point but i have to think that it it qualifies with this noel situation and really with many of these contracts that are questionable or eye raisers. Like uh, you've had a few this offseason, I'm sure. Um, in terms of the franchise tag in the NFL, I have agents tell me all the time: the second you are franchise tagged, that becomes your new valuation. So yep. if you are not, you know, if if our numbers and and the eye test says you're a 12 million dollar offensive tackle, but the franchise tag at 18 million is placed on you, you're now an 18 million dollar player. And, and, and the exact reverse can happen. And I think that's what nerland's Noel is saying here. He said, okay, I was valued at four years, 70 million. I was told to turn that down. I took 4 million, then signed a $5 million sh- prove it deal with the Knicks last year. The second he signed that $5 million deal to join the Knicks, that's what he was to the rest yep. of the league. So m- even if he has the best year of his career and he had a good one, you're starting at five you're not starting at 20 or 15, you're starting at five. And he got us a nice raise over that, you know, a little bit over 9 million a year on a a multi-year contract to to stay with New York. It's like being a fifth round pick versus a first round pick in the NFL. You know, (laughs) if you're a first round pick, your your starting point is way higher right out of the Mm -hmm. gate than somebody down farther down the draft. It seems incorrect because it should just be, if you can play, you should get paid. But that's not how the world works, unfortunately. And I think that's what we're we're falling into here with Noel.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I know that there are people who will leverage it and say, hey, you were a high pick and made more money than you should have before. So go. think of it in, in in total. And if I was a player, I'd be like, I don't know. <laughs> that's not how this works. You, you don't get to do that. That happens all the time with like, guys like Blake Griffin. Guarantee part of the conversation was, hey, you still got a lot of money coming from the Pistons. So we're not going to give you a lot. Now that's an extreme. Scenario, yeah. So that makes sense there. But where it really hurts players in the NBA is outside of the true bio guy joins a title contender. Everybody in the world knows he's signing on for a couple months of a playoff run and then he's going to be off to free agency. There is a belief that once a player becomes a minimum player, that's what he is. That's right. And it's very, very hard for those guys to get off that. I mean, look at how much we all praised Reggie Jackson and Cameron Payne for outplaying minimum contracts but but both guys it took a couple years to 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 pull that off and get off those minimum deals and i know everybody was assuming well yeah andre drummond's not really a minimum player well what did andre drummond just sign for the minimum and this is a guy who it was coming off a 20 plus million dollar contract and a lot of people thought That's going to be where he was again, and that's how quick it can flip in the NBA. So you got to be really cautious if you're going to take one of those minimum uh, salary contracts because teams are going to say, well, you played for the minimum last year. You know, well, where you know, why should we pay you this? You know, all this extra money, and you have to be either your team is stuck and has to retain you, like Jackson or like Payne, or and not or and you have to have proven that you're worth more than that, like Jackson and Payne did. Otherwise, a lot of these guys, especially after your past about year seven or eight in the league, you're you're probably going to be seen as a minimum player, and that's what I would worry about if I was Victor Oladipo mm. uh, with with Miami. He's going to have to look awesome to come back and get anything above the minimum again in his career and that and even then we're talking probably mle money around 10 million or so it's probably never going to be that 20 million dollar contract again for him and that's just the reality where it's at that's just kind of how it works as you said teams are willing to invest a ton of money in their top uh anywhere from two to five players and then everybody else they'll they'll fill it out it's the old i say it, it's the akin to if you do fantasy auctions it's akin to the old stars and scrubs uh <laughs> philosophy of you know i'm gonna spend a whole bunch of money on a few guys and then i'll spend a dollar on a whole bunch of guys and hope that they pop like that is to some extent in these salary cap uh leagues that's to the extent stem where we go and 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 i know you're probably all, all uh soccer talked out but that one i'm trying to wrap my head around because i don't understand how you know <laughs> these guys people yell about nba contracts all the time and i'm like i'm like wait this guy might be a uh, you know second half substitute and it's 200 million dollars like what are we doing here like that but i'm working out, i'm getting into it a little bit more i'll understand it better in a in a you know next transfer cycle
1: I'd take Ronaldo as a bench player if I could, Keith. <laughs> I, think I, I think the Lakers yeah. are trying to get somebody like that right now anyway, right? That's what you're referring to. Three guys at high prices and then a bunch of yep. 1.6 million guys and let's go win a title That's together. Where
2: we're at. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. It was uh, you know, and, and Kendrick Nunn did well to get the yeah. part of their taxpayer MLE at five million when everybody else was had to settle for for the for the veteran minimum.
1: He's at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. He's an unbelievable follow, breaking down all these contracts as they become official, helping us out with all the numbers, making sure everything looks good on our site. He's the best. Thanks, Keith. Thanks for having me. All right, great stuff from Keith. My thanks to him. He's at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter, and of course to Scott for his data and his discussion with the NFL stuff. My thanks to the Athletic. Visit theathleticcom spottrack for forty percent off your first year subscription. Check out balancedbridge.com. If you're an agent with clients looking to guarantee and and build a bridge against some current earnings, balancebridge.com gets you started. If you're a prospective NFL and NBA player, if you're an agent who has these kind of players and you're looking to set up financial solutions, Morgan Stanley Global Sports and Entertainment. Visit morganstanley.com slash GSE. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Chinetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Train Podcast.